In this edition of Locked On Capitals, your Washington Capitals fall to the Boston Bruins by a score of 5-2 to two to start the regular season. Let's talk about that game next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form, so head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we will talk about the game tonight uh, or last night if you're listening to this in the morning. The Capitals fall in the first game uh, to start the regular season by a score of 5-2. to two. We'll talk about that in the show. Then later in the show, we'll talk about why did the Capitals ultimately decide to go with Alexi Protus and Connor McMichael? Um, you know, it seems like there could have been other players that they could have chosen instead. Um, and then to end the show, we will talk about the outlook as the Capitals take on the Maple Leafs. But just to get it going here, the Capitals, like I say, they fell short by a score uh, of 5-2. to two, And it was a game that uh, showed that the Capitals had some resurgence. It showed that, you know, even though they kind of started the game on the wrong foot, you know, like, I, like I've talked about uh, earlier, the Capitals started the game, you know, uh, on their heels. You know, the Boston Bruins were kind of taking it to them, and they were down 3 to nothing to start the game. And then the Capitals showed some life by ending, they ended up getting uh, two goals. But ultimately, it wasn't enough. They got goals from Anthony Mantha and a sweet goal by Connor Sheary. If you didn't see it out there, he blocked the puck in front of the Boston, uh, or excuse me, the Capitals net, and that led to a scoring opportunity for him, and he ended up getting a really great goal. If you didn't get a chance to see it, uh, take a look at NHL.com. But, you know, that that was the story of the game. It's just right off the bat. The Capitals were on their heels and the Boston Bruins really took it to, uh, to the Capitals right away. And uh, ultimately, it was more uh, than they could handle. Uh, the Washington Capitals uh, were able to rally from a three to nothing deficit and get back into the game and pull within one, writes Washington Hockey Now. However, the Boston Bruins, thanks to David Pasternak and David Krejci, were able to stop the rally and secure a five to two win. And if you watch the game out there, you know, especially when they were down three to nothing, you're like, to a certain extent, as a Capitals fan, you know, is, is this, you know, a, a continuation of last year? Is this what we're going to have again? Uh, but in all fairness, you know, Darcy Kemper uh, played lights out. There, there was none of the goals out there that that he allowed that I really thought were soft goals. There were no beach balls that he allowed in. Um, but uh, uh, Darcy Kemper made 25 saves on 29 shots. Um 
Again, I, I don't really fault uh, Darcy Kemper for any of the goals that were allowed in the game. I didn't see any glaring things to me anyway that, you know, he was out of position or anything like that. They were just good goals uh, by the Boston Bruins. And ultimately, you know, the Capitals don't have a lot of time to lick their wounds as they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs Thursday night. Uh, and it's going to be a formidable opponent in that Maple Leafs team. If you take a look at who they have out on the ice, you know, in Austin Matthews and Marner and Nylander, it's like an all-star team uh, out on the ice. What is the Achilles heel of that team is usually the net-minding situation. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Anthony Mantha says, it sucks. Obviously, we play hockey to win. We're all competitors in here, and we wanted to get it done for our fans. And, uh, you know, I, I, they did what they could do. You know, they showed some fight into them. You know, they out on the ice when they were down three to nothing, they could have just kind of, you know, laid over and played dead, but they had that will to fight. Uh, but, uh, you know, ultimately it was not enough. For the first few minutes of regulation, Washington looked dominant. They were hard on pucks, generating pressure and seeing a few changes. However, an Evgeny Kuznetsov penalty roughly seven minutes into the opening frame frame turned the tide. Patrice Bergeron opened the scoring on a power play, picking up his first of the season on a rebound off David Pasternak shot. Shortly after, Pasternak would add a goal of his own on a spin around shot to make it two to nothing. And another sweet goal, just kind of giving credit where credit's due. Um, I know that that was the Boston Bruins scoring on the Capitals, but just, you know, assessing it for what it was, it was uh, was a great goal. Then to open the second period, a missed defensive assignment and poor coverage on the rush led to a Taylor Hall goal to give Boston a three to nothing lead. And that was kind of one of those moments where Taylor Hall was kind of giving it to Hathaway. He was giving it to, to Nick Dowd. And, um, you know, kind of just, uh, you know, not a real nice guy out on the ice. I'm surprised that there was not more fisticuffs uh, aimed at uh, Taylor Hall. Um, but, you know, again, you know, that's that's what hockey's about. It's an aggressive game. And, uh, you know, the I think that the Capitals' emotions got the best of them to a certain extent. It didn't mark the best start for Darcy Kemper, who made his Capitals debut on Wednesday in what was also his 300th NHL game. There were quite a few juicy rebounds up for grabs, and he was a little shaky as he ended up surrendering three goals on the first 21 shots. And that was the assessment of this writer here. You know, I I think that, you know, a little shaky uh, might be fair, but I don't think that he allowed uh, any softballs or, you know, I don't think that he allowed in a ton of soft, uh, soft goals. Did he play a perfect game? Of course not. They lost the game, but I am not, you know, already going to peg Darcy Kemper as a poor goalie. All in all, what I saw out there was a decent game by Darcy Kemper. It wasn't a great game and it wasn't a horrible game. Could it show improvement? Of course. But uh, I think that he had, um, you know, a fairly strong showing. I do think that the game Thursday night will have Charlie Lindgren in the game as it is a back-to-back. So we will see what we have in the tank uh, with Charlie Lindgren in a real game situation. Despite Kemper's stat line for the DC debut, the defense wasn't too much help either as missed assignments and miscommunication led to the loss. And, you know, you have to, you know, assess blame if you know you're not can't put it squarely on Darcy's shoulders as the defense, of course, uh, is responsible for making sure that, you know, there's not all these great uh, goal scoring opportunities. And I think to a certain extent, the defense was a little weak at certain uh, points of the game. So, 
again, I'm not going to assess all the blame on Darcy. I'm not going to assess all the blame on the defense. I just think, you know, like they were talking about here, some missed assignments and miscommunication things that they don't have a lot of time to address, you know, uh, that, like I say, they're playing Thursday night tonight, as you're listening to this most likely. So it's going to be game on and, you know, they're going to have to look at some film and what time they have. And then they're just going to have to get ready for a Toronto Maple Leafs team, which I think is going to kind of give it to them with both barrels um, as well. The second period didn't start off any better for Washington as a missed assignment on a defense and poor coverage on a Boston rush led to a Taylor Hall goal that put the Capitals down three to nothing. However, Anthony Mantha, Connor Sheary, and some uh, new faces would put Washington right back in uh, going into the third. Mantha opened the scoring shortly after Hall's goal on a great pass from Dylan Strom, who held onto the puck and pulled off a toe and drag before getting it to number 39. Eric Gustafson recorded the secondary helper on Mantha's goal. And it was good to see um, Gustafson out there making some good contributions out there on his new team, a bit of a journeyman out there. Uh, then later in the second, Connor Sherry blocked a shot, which led to a three-on-one rush for DC the other way. Nick Dowd got the puck over to Sherry, who called his own number and net his first of the season to pull Washington three to two. And that's what I was talking about. There were times in the game you know, towards the the middle of the second and the third that I thought this Capitals team had what it took to come back. Ultimately, it wasn't enough. And, you know, I obviously hoped for a win in game one of the season to kind of set the momentum for the Capitals in the right direction. But, you know, it wasn't meant to be. And, you know, you're not going to win them all, but you just kind of have to refocus. Um, because if you get too caught up in your own head, you're going to end up losing the, your next game, which is going to be tonight, Thursday. Despite a huge fight from Washington in the third, which saw the team outshoot Boston 10-6, to Pasternak and Krejci weren't done for the night. Pasternak went on a breakaway and Kemper made a huge stop, but no one is able to help out the stopping of Krejci, who roofed the rebound. So again, you know, the Capitals aren't going to have a lot of time to assess what went wrong. They're going to have to concentrate on uh, what they need to work on for uh, Toronto because they are going to be um, a formidable opponent and uh, the game will be Thursday night. All right, so after the break here, we will talk about the players that the Capitals um, waived and that subsequently left the team. Were there some better choices for the Capitals to send down to Hershey? We'll talk about that after the break. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football info this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this next segment, we are going to talk about the Capitals. 
and uh, the moves that they made on Monday, um, Sunday into Monday, where they waived a bunch of players. And ultimately, the Capitals um, lost two, you know, kind of big players in the organization. I would say Axel Janssen Fielby and Brett Leeson. Um, and, you know, it was there were some questions there as, you know, why didn't they send uh, Protus down or why didn't they send Connor McMichael down because we knew that Leeson and Axel Janssen Fialdi um, were not waiver exempt. They would face um, waivers. And this was a story in the athletic. They were saying on Monday, the caps lost prospects, Brett Leeson and Axel Janssen Fialdi on waivers to Anaheim and Winnipeg respectively. Curious about the decision-making process that landed Leeson and Janssen Fialdi on the waiver wire in the first place. Uh, Tarek Elbashir says, I did some poking around at MedStar ice complex Here's what I heard. Management could have sent down Alexi Protus and Connor McMichael. Both are waiver exempt and kept Leeson and Janssen Fielby instead. But after internal discussions about the risks, the call was made to reward Protus for his breakout performance in training camp and give McMichael an extended look to start the season. And I think, you know, ultimately what this was about was about optics. You know, Alexi Protus came into camp, a man on a mission, and performed very well. He was able to play well at all the forward positions. Uh, they had so much faith in him that they kept him in. You know, he played every preseason game. I think to a certain extent, if they looked at, if they sent Protus down to Hershey, that that would kind of been, you know, like a big a morale a buster for him. You know, he had all this confidence. You know, I played well. Uh, I played well for this team. You know, you had me play in every preseason game. Why would you send me down to Hershey? I think it is. I think it's optics. And, you know, I think it's about, you know, kind of factoring emotions here. I would say the same thing is for Connor McMichael. You know, Connor played on the big team last season. So are you going to send him down um, to, and then have um, uh, Axel Janssen, Fielby, and Brett Leeson um, stay up. I, I just think that, you know, the optics on it and, you know, were, were the biggest thing that um, led to that decision. Protus had the best camp performance of all the bubble players, and it wasn't close in the eyes of management and the coaches. Protus indeed threw the caps a curve, a source said, referring to the fact that the six foot six, 225 pound center left wing was not penciled into the opening night lineup at the outset of camp. And, um, you know, that's that's what that's what I'm talking about with Protus. He came into camp on a mission. He exceeded the Capitals expectations for, for him. And Protus came in and said, I know what your expectations are for me and I'm going to exceed them. So I think it put, you know, the Capitals into an interesting position uh, that, you know, are you going to send Protus down after he played a really great preseason uh, just, just to, you know, to have two players uh, not be on waivers. I think that ultimately they made the right decision. You know, you got to remember that they put Axel Janssen Fielby on waivers before we lost him to Buffalo. And then we had him back this time, it, you know, just, just let, let, let him be, let him go to the jets, which he has not reported to yet because of uh, Canadian issues of crossing the border. But I, we've tried it. We've tried to retread that tire with Axel Janssen Fielby and it has not worked. So let him have his opportunity on another team. You know, the Brett Leeson thing was a bit more uh, surprising. McMichael, meantime, is coming off a promising rookie season, and the 21-year-old made a strong closing argument after a meh start to the camp. Protoss, also 21, will start the season on the second line with McMichael, will begin as an extra, though the plan is not for the 2019 first-rounder to sit for extended stretches. 
And, um, you know, that's one of the things. Nothing will stunt growth than sitting in the press box or, you know, being a healthy scratch or the taxi squad or whatever the case may be. For me, as a fan of the team at the end of the day, if you don't have a spot for McMichael on the team, do the right thing. Don't worry about his feelings in this case and let him, you know, marinate a bit, if you will, down in Hershey where he's going to get some decent playing time. Because Lord knows he's not going to get it on this Capitals team, save, you know, some sort of injury um, or poor performance. I think that McMichael and Snively, for that matter, are going to be extra players out there. And are they going to be best served sitting in the press box? I really don't think so. Uh, you know, my knee-jerk reaction to that would have been you'd have almost been better to have Axel Janssen fail on this team playing that fourth line left wing. He's fast. And I think a suitable replacement for Carl Hagelin. But at the end of the day, I'm not a coach. I'm just uh, calling it as I see it, I guess you could say. Folks in the front office suspected there was a chance Janssen Fielby might get snagged after all the 24-year-old fourth line left winger penalty killer was claimed off waivers by Buffalo in 2021. As we know, he came back to the team. Janssen Fielby technically is not on the Jets roster, as I spoke of, because they have to cross the border. The Caps were, however, surprised to lose Leeson, six foot five, 218-pound bottom six winger whom they had hoped to send to the AHL Hershey Bears for another year of seasoning while getting a spot duty in D.C. as an injury call-up. There was also the Hope Leeson's one-way contract. The 23-year-old counts 775000 against the salary cap this season and next might serve as a deterrent. It did not, obviously. And I was a bit surprised about Brett Leeson you know, on a couple different things, you know, the fact that they thought that he was going to be able to um, make it past waivers and, and make it down to Hershey. But then ultimately he didn't really pop off the scoring sheet um, in the preseason. Um, so another case where he had Leeson for many years or a few years here anyway, and it just didn't seem like he ever quite fit into the Washington Capitals plans. He is six foot five, 218 pounds, so kind of similar to the same size and build as Alexi Protus. Would the Capitals be in a good, good position having two guys that are six foot five plus on the team as a deterrent? You're not going to be able to push either one of those guys off the puck very easily. You know, this is all a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking here. If Brett Leeson can find a starting job, with Anaheim, I say congratulations and give it your best. You know, to a certain extent, we can't hold on to these players or you're going to have to make a better calculated decisions. Generally, I think the Capitals make great decisions when it comes to this. Exposing Leeson, a bit of a questionable move. You know, it's a, I'm a little bit torn on Axel Janssen-Fielby. I think he could have played on the fourth line left wing. Obviously, they see something that I don't because at the end of the day, they are coaches in the NHL. Leeson will wear number 20 for Anaheim. Another aspect that often must be considered when making a tough roster decisions is doing what's right by the room. Something I heard while covering the NFL too. Teams never want to lose organizational depth like Leeson and Janssen Fielby, but they also don't want to star veterans questioning why a checking line tweener was kept over a young player who showed up in camp that he's ready to help the team win now. And that's kind of what I've been talking about in this episode is it's about it's about optics at the end of the day, you know, and that's what, you know, Protus would have been thinking. That's what McMichael and Snively would have been thinking is that, you know, we played pretty good in camp and we played good in the preseason games. 
So this is all a waivers thing. Why I have to go down to Hershey? You know, I just don't think that that would have fit to, uh, you know, well into the Capitals plans. No trade market for either Leeson or Janssen feel be materialized either. From what I gathered, the squares uh, with what we saw on the transactions wire in recent days, there was one prospect for a prospect trade and I didn't see any prospects being moved for picks. So some questionable moves here for the Capitals, um, you know, Again, this is a lot of Monday morning quarterback, and there's only so much that you can do. All right, so after the break here, we will continue to talk about some of the moves made around the Capitals and were they the right decisions to make. We'll talk about that after the break. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. And then in this last segment, who I'm going to talk about is a familiar face to, uh, to this Capitals team, and that is Marcus Johansson. Uh, you know, a guy that the, the Capitals had years ago and they brought him back last season. Why did they bring him back is that he can play different positions. He can play center. He can play wing. You know, that's what the Capitals were looking for. They were looking for familiarity. They were looking for his scoring ability. Is he, this Marcus Johansson the same as the one on the Capitals years ago? No, he's a bit older, and I think his skill set um, has diminished some, but I think that, you know, they like him for his versatility. Why Marcus Johansson over Leeson or Fialbi, I asked. The Caps reasoning, versatility, role, and track record. Johansson can play both wings and center in a pinch in the top six and the bottom six. Most importantly, though, the 32-year-old does something the others don't. He's an inte integral part of the second power play unit where he's good on entries and is a threat down low at the goal mouth. Washington needs an effective uh, power play to this season, and Johansson and Anthony Mantha are expected to be a big part of it. And again, so Anthony Mantha is going, you know, he showed up on the score sheet today, um, but, you know, they're going to need more from him. You know, he's another guy, flashes of greatness. You know, he had that shoulder surgery when he first came back flashes of greatness he scored some goals but then also he went on a dry spell for a long period of time so that's one of the things i've talked about in this podcast for the longest time is sustainability they need mantha to be sustainable uh, be a sustainable goal scorer they also need him to use that big frame especially in tom wilson's absence so I know it's not, you know, uh, something that's um, natural to him, but I think that's a role he's going to have to, to grow into. And then the final question is Joe Snively, a guy that, you know, a lot of people thought was kind of a cameo appearance on this Washington Capitals team. You know, a great story of a kid that grew up in D.C. And wouldn't it be nice if he played on the Capitals for a couple games actually played so well that uh, they couldn't find a way to send him down. And he had a great season for the Capitals last season and then had an issue with his wrist and missed the remainder of the season. So this is a new season. And why Joe Snively? I asked about him too, this story in The Athletic. Speed, versatility, and to put it in simpler terms, he was a better in camp and he showed he's got more upside than the others who were fighting for a spot as an extra, he also would have required waivers in order to be sent down to the AHL Hershey Bears. So some great questions out there. I really think that if they put Snively uh, on the waiver wire, he would have been claimed. And I think there would have been a lot of people asking, myself included, why would you expose someone like that, some young talent, 
um, to the waiver wire. They, he most likely would have been scooped up by another team. So uh, great on the Capitals for not doing that. Have we seen the last of Carl Hagelin in a Caps jersey? It's unfortunately is starting to feel that way. Already sidelined indefinitely with an eye injury. The speedy 31-year-old winger underwent arthroscopic surgery on his left hip on Monday. And, you know, kind of a sad story. Um, you know, ultimately for Carl Hagelin, some bad luck as of late, you know, last season took that stick up high in practice. Nonetheless, lost a bunch of the vision in his eye, depth perception, all that kind of thing, only to try to make his way back to the team and then suffer another lower body injury. Uh, we will think fondly of Carl Hagelin and his contributions to this team on that fourth line with Hathaway and Dowd. You know, it's not easy to fill a role uh, like Hagelin on that fourth line. And it's kind of a funny thing to say, you know, the fourth line, couldn't you just plug anyone in there? Tell that to Hathaway and Dowd, you know, the uh, great guys that, you know, make great contributions. Hagelin when he was in there. So I think for a, an extended period of time, they're going to put, you know, they had Shiri in there. They're going to cycle different guys in there. Protus is up higher in the line, but, you know, at some point, if he doesn't, you know, get production, they might slot him down there. So it's it might take a while uh, for this Capitals team to, you know, the lineup to fully solidify because I think it's still a bit early. And what we see out on the ice in game one isn't what we're going to see in the latter part of the year. All right. Once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it is your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone bring your fantasy edge and keep you ahead of the competition with daily updates of news, analysis, and advice Monday through Friday. Available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcast. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. Let's hope this Caps team can pick up a win against the Maple Leafs Thursday night. All right, I'll talk to you guys again next time.